Queerness is not a monolith. We are but a small representation of our fabulous community. Thoughts expressed in this podcast are meant to inform, entertain, and provide context in a world full of sound bites and chaotic headlines. The goal? To create a safe space to educate ourselves and our community, learn from our guests, and provide comfort for those out there who may not have an outlet of queer expression. This is Queer Context. Hello and welcome to Queer Context, a podcast where two queer Texans talk queer shit about queer topics in, yes, queer Texas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here with my bro, the broiest bro who has ever broed. Oh, wow. Tyler. <laughs> and I am here with, if he sends me one more obscure theater clip from 1983 on YouTube, I think I might kill him. Roger. Listen, that is my season. <laughs> that is my season. The 1982-83 Broadway season. That is my season. That is I'm just saying, I, I I have every intention of watching them when you send them to me. <laughs> it's just whatever I'm doing doesn't have time to look at an obscure theater right. thing. Right. I need to I need to go back and listen to it. I also don't provide you context. You don't. You just drop them and I'm like, what am I looking at here? Are, are we enjoying the song? Are we enjoying this actor? Like, <laughs> give me some context. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, um, we are here with someone who provides context for our lives on a daily basis. True. Uh we're joined by one of our favorite people among many accomplishments. He's the director and founder of Yester Queer the Fort Worth Gay History Project, as well as our go-to gay cinephile. Welcome back to Todd Camp. Thank you. Glad Hi, to be a returning champion. Yes, returning you are our champion. first I returning guest. Awesome. First you, are, returning guest. you are just such a wealth of information. He's like our, <laughs> our, our resident cinephile and historian. I love it. Yes, and uh, just as a reminder to people. Those kind of uh, go hand in hand, I guess, right? Ish. Yeah, but uh, Todd also founded Q Cinema. The mm-hmm. Fort Worth's uh, Gay and Lesbian Film Festival back in the day, of which I realized the last time you were here that I went to a screening and didn't know that. Oh, yeah, that now. was wild. I forgot about that. <laughs> that was, was Hedwig, right? It was yeah. Hedwig. Yeah. It was Hedwig. Excellent. And did was, uh, and did, and you met my friend Lauren, who I would find out after the fact that she was just, she used to read your comics and reviews all the time in the Fort Worth, like, and the, then Star Telegram. Yeah, the Fort Worth Star Telegram. Yeah. Yeah. When it was a newspaper. <laughs> I remember those days. Yeah. Oh, newspapers. Remember newspapers? Yeah. No, not really. I don't. I'm allergic to newspaper. The newspaper ink. The newspaper. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, How'd you find that out? Uh, well, I would pick up the Village Voice in New York and on the train. And just by thumbing, you know, just by reading it, my hands would get all blotchy. Oh, wow. And really, yeah, uh, and so like it, every like it, uh, my forearms would just get really blotchy, really, yeah, that's wild. Yeah. Only happened whenever I'd pick up a was newspaper. it just the voice or was it any newspaper? No, in the newspapers, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't like, I mean, I used to cut news clippings and comics, you know, strips out, I don't really remember that, but every t- it happened every time. God, remember cutting yeah. out comic strips. Yes. It's the very, it's the same thing as saving a post online now. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. You never look at it. Yes. <laughs> but you have a million saved. Yes. <laughs> I have about 200 memes and my yeah. photos on my phone. Yeah. I do reference them every once in a while, though. Every once in a while, I think there's like, oh, you know, there was one I saw recently. I got to find it. And I got to scroll through 6,000 pictures <laughs> on my phone. Right. Yeah. 
It's always like, I'm going to save this meme. I'm going to save this GIF for like the right moment. And then when that moment comes up, I'm like, I can't find it. I can't find it. It takes much longer it does. to find but, than it does. But that's where you have to go around any Jiffy search or anything and just Google for what you want. It takes an extra two minutes. Right. But if you can get that to them before they respond, uh, great response. Yeah. Perfect, perfect GIF. Yeah. Um, you know what did not have a good response? The movie we're going to talk about today. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can't wait because I haven't heard from either of you. Like, yeah. But Be- um, before we get into bros, um, I'd like to take this moment to kind of uh, remember uh, someone who is, has been a gay hero to a queer hero to many people, uh, but also has provided uh, many people, uh, gay and straight audiences, queer and straight audiences, um, moments of fun and levity. Uh, and that is uh, Leslie Jordan, who passed away last week. Absolutely. And, um, and Todd, you actually, you, you knew Leslie. Yeah, I knew Leslie for many years. We we um, we first met when he was performing at Circle Theater on a regular basis, and he came to town with Sorted Lives at Circle Theater, the original stage play that Del Shores wrote. And he followed that up with a play that he wrote called Hysterical Blindness and Other Tragedies That Have Plagued My Southern Life, I think. Other Southern Tragedies That Have Plagued My Life Thus Far. Um but I would run into him because I worked downtown at the Star Telegram. So I would run into him when I was out picking up lunch. And I ran into him one day and we just got into a conversation on the street. And I, I asked him about being out as an actor if because I was doing some stage work at the time. And I was doing about to do a gay show for for theater. And I asked him about being out and if it had affected his career. And he said, well, honey, I just had no, I didn't have any say in the matter. I fell right out of my mother's womb and into her high heels. <laughs> So it was one of those things where we just immediately bonded. And then I think the next year he had um, Sorted Lives, the movie had come mm-hmm. out and Leslie himself had a film that he had worked on called Lost in the Pershing Point Hotel, which was about his early days with drug addiction and his uh, predilection for, for rough trade boys. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, it was a really excellent little film. And... So we had him for that. And then he just became like a regular. We, we brought him to town to do a one-man show that he was performing in Provincetown and a lot of other little hole-in-the-wall bars in, in some of the, you know, the gay mecca cities. And uh, we brought him to Casa Manana, the Jiffy Pop Dome, mm-hmm. and sold the show out. It was, we were really had no idea what to expect, but it was, he, he had this little one-man show. We called it When, when You Swish Upon a Star. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> He told kind of those early stories about drug addiction and everything. And we had all of these elderly women and, mm-hmm. and folks who came out who knew him from all the different shows, the plays and things that he had done over the years. And they're just listening to him tell stories about drug addiction and sleeping with gay rough trade. And it was just like they soaked it up and loved it. And uh, we brought him to town a few years later for another show. But we just... We had a wonderful relationship and it was very much a, uh, you know, promoter kind of, uh, talent kind of deal. But right. it was, I, I think I had said in a couple of my posts, it was just when I, whenever I had those rare moments where I could just like sit down and really talk to him, mm-hmm. he, he had this ability to make you feel like you were the only person in the room and to feel like you were confidants. And I learned over the years that, you know, he had that innate ability with so many other people. 
locally because everybody just felt like they had this personal relationship with him. But would you say it's also why so many people loved him and, and were drawn to him because it was a kind of, um, that charm transcended just transcended just the LGBT community. Absolutely. Um, the day that he died, I think just on my Facebook and my Instagram, the varied amount of people that were posting about him passing away. Um, and, and oddly enough, everybody has a picture with him. Oh yeah. I, I do not. I do not. Although he, uh, when I was working at the drama league, we, he was on our dais of, uh, uh, recognized performances because he did, uh, is it my life on the pink carpet? Yeah. That was his off Broadway show that he did. Um, and I'd met him and he just, yeah, we brought him to town for that. Yeah. For, at Scott theater. Yeah. And he was, uh, I mean, he was awesome. He was great. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. And I mean, I think there is a generation of, of people that know him as, uh, Beverly Leslie. Oh, yeah. Unwilling Grace. That's how I know mm-hmm. him. And that, that was the first thing that, uh, I remember. I specifically remember him seeing, and he's also in my favorite episode of Will and Grace mm-hmm. uh, in season four. It's called A Chorus Lie, and that is the episode that Matt Damon is on. Oh yeah, <laughs> where Matt Damon is a straight yes. boy pretending to be gay yes. to so sing in the Game and Chorus, yeah, so he so can go awesome. on a European trip. Yes, and then Karen and Will are at like a Valentine's Day retreat, and to me, still, uh, Beverly Leslie's most iconic entrance is he walks in karen walker i thought i smelled gin and regret <laughs> whale whale whale, whale. <laughs> um but I, I i and also like he was a big advocate for the sober community as well oh yeah um well that and i talked to a lot of friends who uh really good friend of mine they they knew him very well over the years he'd come to their house multiple times and one of them had had a had a substance abuse problem, and Leslie was just pivotal in helping him get past it. And he apparently had that played that role with a lot of people I knew from Dallas and and Fort Worth as well. So the the crazy thing about Leslie was was he was one of those guys that just he felt like our little secret for so long. I mean, yeah. he really was he really was a a, a local. It felt like for a mm-hmm. long time, even though he lived in L.A. But he uh, he was here so often, and. Uh, you know, when he got Will and Grace, it, you know, he became a star. Mm-hmm. But honestly, the it wasn't really until the pandemic when he when his Instagram posts videos just exploded and oh he God. just became an international well, sensation. <laughs> yep. Well, y'all did. Leslie Jordan reporting for duty. Yeah, <laughs> and he just became this like beacon be- of hope to right? so he was many so people. Endeared. And it was just it was crazy. It was like you know I don't know tens of millions of followers and. Mm-hmm. um I just kind of was like, yeah, well, we've, he's, he's, he's gone. We lost him. Yeah. <laughs> he's and the he, world's now. <laughs> but he, he also was, um, a, from a generation of gay men that, where we lost so many oh, also yeah. because of, of the HIV and AIDS crisis. Mm. Um, and like, think of how many Leslie Jordans we could have had. Yeah. As well. As Absolutely. Well, a huge loss. Pour one out for the homie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but so, from Leslie Jordan, from everyone, really kind of 
Yeah. Bring us current day. Get current day. <laughs> from from queer queer cinematic history of Leslie Jordan to today. The queer well <laughs> of which we're about we're about a month past when Bros came out. But uh Bros came out the weekend of September 30th. Mm-hmm. Uh and had a huge rollout, huge mm-hmm. marketing campaign. Uh it was billed as Poor the pop up. Yeah. <laughs> it was billed as a historic first, whether it, that was true or not. It was billed as the first gay romantic comedy from a major studio. I think we know that it's not the first rom- no, not gay from. romantic comedy. Uh, Universal. Universal Studios. One of the majors. I mean, yeah, majors that, absolutely. I just didn't know I, which one it, it was. I, it's fair on some points, but it was still not, you know, I... I I made a list of gay romantic comedies literally off the top of my head and just uh, once at Q Seno, but you know, gay romantic comedy is not anything new. It goes all the way back to the sixties and seventies. So we've, we've been doing it for a while. Right. But yeah, it, it, I think it's fair to say, you know, it's never been like, you know, universal Columbia or, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, and leading up to it, uh, it was, it was fun cause he was, uh, interviewed in variety, I believe. And he made a very inarticulate comment where he was just like, it's not like, this is not like one of those uh, movies that gets just shunned to streaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh no. Which, oh which no. in the face of the fact that, you know, Fire Island. That he said that on camera? Uh, yeah, I mean, in an interview, like, you know, that he, I mean, Fire Island had just come out like the month prior. Mm-hmm. Him and Billy Eichner and uh, Joel Kim Booster, who wrote Fire Island, were, I, Cover boys for like Entertainment Weekly yeah, or something, right. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he he Billy backtracked on Twitter and was just like, "No, it's not what I meant." And but it already kind of I don't know for me the marketing of this movie kind of was already kind of rubbing me the wrong way. I was just like, um, "Yeah, like you're not." I, I get it, but like, there's a stream of romantic. I mean, I oh, see yeah. your list right over here. Yeah, that I'm like, you know. But also uh, one of the things that he was also uh, pointing out was that all of the roles were being played by uh, LGBTQ plus actors, right. mm-hmm. and even in the straight roles. And, you know, so that was a historic first as well. Yeah. So mm-hmm. just, just all of this leading up to, leading cool. up to the Are weekend. you going to tell us how, what you thought about it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're dying to know. When do we get to start talking shit? I thought it was fine. I mean, yeah. that's, I guess that's why I'm yeah. bringing. What that's why I was leading all of that up because all of this fanfare. It was a lot of fanfare for something for I thought was fine. Was fine. Yeah, and um, for trumpeting the fact that you had an all this this expansive and diverse LGBTQ cast that were relegated to the side characters that weren't even yeah. really part of it like and yeah i don't know i i, I think should... that's uh, that is one mark that they that that bros missed that fire island i thought did very well was trying to authentically represent different people. Mm-hmm. um yeah yeah i just feel like if they'd leaned into the fact that it's it's a fun it's a fun funny movie mm-hmm. I probably would have received it a little bit better. I can see that. Yeah. Well, to be the to be the 
the contradictor in the room. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I laughed out loud multiple times. I was very moved a couple of times by things that I wasn't expected to be moved by. Mm -hmm. Not the things that they were really trying to make me moved by. I was not. But there were other moments that really kind of caught me. Um, And I've watched, I've rewatched bits of it again that I had a problem with on first viewing. But I'm curious, I really want to get into this because this is, there's something about this movie that um, I had to kind of check myself because there were things in it that kind of got under my skin a little. Mm-hmm. And I had oh, to like, absolutely. why is that bothering you? Because yes. it was holding a mirror up. Well, exactly. And so perfect example. And I had a friend who reviewed it on Facebook and he just tore it apart, picked it, all yeah. the different things that he hated. One of the things he pointed out was he hated the fact that the the people that were on, well, I guess we should probably say what it it's about. I'm not yeah, oh, and we're gonna, everybody we're, has seen it. but Everyone, spoilers. Uh, if you haven't seen it, surprise, you're not the only ones. It, it yeah. made $4 million in its opening weekend. And it is now on streaming. Uh, wait, hold on. Who actually saw it on opening weekend? I, I just watched not. it last night. I watched it last night, too. <laughs> I went, like, the Tuesday after opening. I'm a I bad had, gay. Had, Roger was on it. We were all on it. No, and I then, was busy that weekend. I you were busy. Like, it was went busy to go see it in the theater and had we're, a plan. We are the queens that Billy Eichner called out for not going yes, to see it in the theater. Absolutely. But... <laughs> We let I, the straight people I win. was astounded because my Facebook feed was filled with nothing but queens who went and saw it in the theater. So everybody chimed in. And the thing that struck me was I did not hear an unkind word from anyone. And it was a wildly diverse group of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, people who are bitches about everything. Mm-hmm. And they loved it. Yeah. So I was kind of curious. And I, I think that there's a little bit of, you know, coming late to the game because you... You know, after everybody's gone, oh, my God, it's so good. Oh, yes. see it. Then you watch and you're like, well, you know, it was all right. Yeah. Right. But I, I mean, I, I genuinely I, I genuinely liked it a lot. I, I am a Billy Eichner fan, which a lot of people are not. Billy, is- I, this was my first time to see him in this type of role. Because. A majority you see him in is that Billy on the street character. Yeah. Billy on the you street. Know? And he was on American Horror Story and he played. Very similar kind of characters on that, even though it was a little more dramatic. But and he played uh, Matt Drudge, right, on uh, Impeachment, American oh. Crime Story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this was, but this was like his first, you know, romantic outing. Mm-hmm. He sings quite well mm-hmm. in it, and there's, there were just, it was a chance to to really, you know, try to stretch his muscles acting wise. And uh, so the premise of the movie, I think, you know, Billy is is a um, podcaster, very successful podcaster in New York and author. Uh, he has a dream of opening an LGBTQ plus, um, history museum, which also sp- spoke to me on certain levels too <laughs> and annoyed oh, me duh. on certain levels. Duh. So Absolutely. I was like, that. there Absolutely. were, there were things about that, that I was like, I really like that, but why does that piss me off so much? <laughs> um, and, and, uh, he meets this kind of, you know, hunky dude at, at a hunky bro, basically mm-hmm. at a gay bar and they have a, an interesting smart conversation, but the guy still seems a little vacuous and well, and he also was pretty, um, what's the word, uh, acrid. <laughs> like he's yeah. very, he was, and well, Billy's Billy, you know, yeah. and he's, he's hard to take. And, yeah. uh, and that was one of the things that my friend was, you know, he just didn't, 
like him. I had to get over a little bit of that because yeah. because there were scenes, and again, maybe it because it makes me so uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, where he would just be pushing and pushing and pushing character, right. and it would literally make my skin crawl. Well, mm -hmm. I, and I'm, I'm, you'll, I guess you'll get into it with the further down there, but like you know, that character uh, Billy Billy Eichner tends to play his entire persona is unlikable. Right. And um, he's in your face. He's pushy. Yeah. Right? And I don't think that he tamped that down enough to, as the lead of this movie. To endear it. To endear it. I think someone who maybe could have been a better actor could have molded that character a little bit more. Possible. Yeah. I think that, um, uh, I forgot, already forgot. Falls for the bro. He falls for the falls bro. Falls for the bro. The bro's played by... Luke McFarlane. Luke McFarlane, who is Roger has a major adorable thing. and very good in this movie. Mm -hmm. I, I just like... And it's a hard role to play, but he, he's really, really good on multiple levels. Yeah, I enjoyed him. Well, Juilliard trained Luke McFarlane. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just... I, I fell in love with him in this, in this part. There were a lot of... There were a lot of recognizable LGBTQ faces yes. on the sidelines, many of whom I thought were... Incredibly wasted. Oh my god, the Deborah Messing mm -hmm. scene. I lived. That was I great. lived. <laughs> but like, uh, like I love it because he like gave her like this platform to be like, listen, bitches, <laughs> don't unload your shit on me. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. I am not Grace. Yeah. Yeah. This is hilarious. I loved I loved her. Um uh, but yeah, there were uh, Anna, uh, what's the guy's name? I I can't remember anybody's name From. anymore. Uh, his his friend, bald guy, Brandon. Uh, guy Brandon. Yes, a door, mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, they just kind of wasted him. I wanted more. I of him. died. The, the pissing comment. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, well, I mean, what, what else was, was I doing? Do? <laughs> well, I, I so so they were. <laughs> I dated a sixty five year old. Look at his body. Oh my god, it's like the steroids into so Dumbledore. I've, <laughs> I've, I've had sex with. I've had sex with. I believe with. <laughs> Jacked sixty-year-old, mm -hmm. a jacked sixty-year-old. There you go. You heard it here first. I think probably <laughs> not. I, I think know. they've heard it before. I'm just reminded. So my aunt actually, she had asked me. You know, we, we took a bit of a break. She's like, "What's up with the podcast?" I'm like, "Oh, we're taking a break." She's like, "Oh, I like listen to it. I've learned a lot about you." <laughs> <But she has. laughs> she's bringing things. the family together. There's there's no a few things right. I probably could have done without, but you know, yeah, most of it very interesting. <laughs> So you, so you loved it. I did. I, uh, I thought there were a few scenes that just, I mean, there were a few that just kind of throwaway jokes that made me laugh out loud. I mean, <laughs> he, you know, he has a blow up with his friend, all of the people he works with at the museum. And there's a millennial trans woman. Uh, oh, that woman, character I lived. And uh, she's, re he's apologizing and she's like, Oh my God, your apology has got like 200,000 followers so far. And he's like, please don't post. I'm just, wait, I'm sorry. Yes, you should post everything. Thank you for teaching me that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it just made me laugh out loud. Uh, the joke that made me laugh was early on in the movie when they're on their first date. And I think it's with the B. Oh, yeah. With the B. Yeah. And, he, and he, he goes, you're like a grown-up Boy Scout. And I'm like, whatever happens, you know, when dear Evan, when Evan yeah. Hansen grows up, yeah, and, <laughs> whatever uh, happens, to Evan Hansen. I <laughs> laughed. That I was, was one of the funny. few times in the movie theater of, of like eight Hansen. people <laughs> yeah. where like I laughed 
There, a lot uh, there of their, were a lot of clever moments. A lot of their banter back and forth when they were kind of, yeah. you know, taking digs at each other was was really funny. Mm -hmm. But there were a couple of cringe moments that they're supposed to be cringy, but they were kind of cringy, like extra cringy. The scene with his with his parents. Yeah, that really bothered me. And I was like, why is this bothering you so much? Because the things he's saying are not necessarily no, but it was the intent. With it which was intent, yeah. And right. I just, I and was like, something you're, you're he just acknowledges doing it to be in the film, but like, it's like it is. I mean, that's where I thought Luke McFarlane, like him in that scene, and uh, there were a lot of scenes where it would be like every again, probably just because he's a pretty man, but every other scene would be you could tell what he was feeling and how his emotions were jumping by the way oh, yeah. he looked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like he yeah, was, you could word, tell, yeah. like he, you were watching him in real time go through all of that. Mm -hmm. right. um, and I thought he, I thought that was really, I like that of him. Yeah, I couldn't imagine my own. Uh, and again, I put myself in that same position, trying to imagine my own parents responding to oh, that. God. And, mm -hmm. you know, as much as they've gone through with all the stuff that I've been through, it's like, I still don't think it, they just don't want to hear it necessarily. Right. Yeah. And, but it's also in terms of, of like that character, it's like, Pick your battle. What exactly? exactly? Because you're not. And so this is where I was just kind of like, there's that, that stretch of the movie is kind of where I was having a bit of an issue because it didn't feel like it was coming organically out, like organically into the story. It just felt like, oh, we're at that point of the movie where we need these two characters fighting. Right. Well, yeah, because everything's going great, and then you, I mean, it's the romantic comedy trope, you know, right. something horrible has to happen, something mm -hmm. has to break them up mm -hmm. so that they can get back together again and realize that they love each other, it, it, you know, and we've seen it a million times before, and I, yeah, I was, I'm, I'm with you on that, uh, the, the, but the thing that, the, the other thing that was kind of cringy to me, because I was really, and I'm surprised that there hasn't been much backlash to this, was the stuff at the museum where he, you know, he works at a very diverse group of people who run this oh, gay history museum. So you've got trans so people and non-binary people and bisexual people and lesbians. And he's kind of taken digs at a lot of the, the infighting yeah. that happens in our community. Right. And I lived for the holding space joke. Yes. I, I hear you. I hear you. And I'm holding and I'm space holding for space you. Space for you. <laughs> And she's like, this bitch, that's all she ever does is hold she space. Got no ideas, but she's holding space. <laughs> um, I felt like that was, that was a separate movie. Anytime that aspect came into it, yeah. mm -hmm. I was like, this is a separate movie. The bisexual, I'm still angry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think it's the right idea. Right. Yeah. And, I, and I, Jim Rash is like another one. I absolutely adore Jim Rash. Oh, I. And, uh. Yeah. Yeah. And, for community fans out there, the yeah. Dean so community love did, him. Did were you finding those scenes a bit cringe? I was, I was finding myself wincing at them, mm -hmm. and I'm like, why are you wincing? Because it because I just know how freaking sensitive we all are about well, I, it. I I knew why I was wincing. I was wincing because <laughs> because it was Billy Eichner's take on this, right? Where I'm like, Billy Eichner is one and. Billy Eigner is one of those rarefied now cis white male privileged LA gay thing. Whereas like uh, I've sat in those meetings mm -hmm. yeah, and I'm like, this is I, I'm like, are we taking the piss out of it? Because to a degree, like I'm there because like we yeah. all know these conversations happen. Oh yeah. 
But at the same time, I'm like, this this character of this movie at at this first LGBT, you know, first LGBT museum of its kind, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's like, I think there's the bigger problem. What do you think music. of the awards ceremony? Again, it was, uh, but he was that character was centering himself in all of that, and that's where I that, was just like. But I mean, but I think like. The award I, I show that's definitely the was taking the piss out of it. Right, right. When right. you when it led with that guy that like I have now gone from being privately gay and hot to now being publicly gay and hot. Yeah, you yeah. know, like, and yeah. then each of the characters, Kristen Chenoweth, <laughs> yep, coming on there. This is oh, no, the like hat being yeah, the first being brick being thrown and, and now being Stonewall. publicly bi and hot. You know, yeah. it was just like it wouldn't even come out as gay either. <laughs> I was like, oh, he, he. There was a lot of like jabs at you know all of i mean for the Chris hallmark and to do it and knowing yeah. knowing yeah. yeah full well who she is yeah. I, think, I, think ultimately, <laughs> she is. I think for me just generally i think generally speaking for the movie it felt like the writing was railing against the cis white gay men privilege but this character but the main characters were cis white men but but the character but the the main character the billy eichner character railing against this but ultimately being like but that's what i want you know, like he wants to be with the, like, yeah. the, the, you know, and I was like, so I, I don't know, like, you know, and who are you making this for? Cause I don't, I don't feel like you were making it for the LGBT community. You know, I, I did feel, I was just like, oh, I feel like a lot of this is like aimed toward the straight people. <laughs> you think so? I think so. I mean, and I feel like going back to all the marketing talk, I mean, they were trying they were trying to get the straight people there. They weren't trying to get the gay people there. I think they just assumed that the gay people were just going to show up. And then the gay people Well, and I'm sure up. they caught a lot of people who were supportive of the community who were like, yeah, yeah. I heard about this movie. It's being promoted mainstream, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Being well, able to capitalize off that pictures. I mean, the posters were in at every theater. Mm-hmm. Saw yeah. television commercials for it. You don't normally see that. I mean, right. yeah. most of our stuff shows in art houses in Dallas. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. maybe at the Modern if we're lucky. <laughs> and uh, if it gets enough, traction. if it gets enough traction, yeah. but you know, there it reminded me very much of uh, a film Paul Rudnick did, wrote Jeffrey, Jeffrey, and it was there were many things about it where it was like, oh, that was very Jeffrey, like the scene where uh, his his gay couple friends announced have announced that they have a third mm-hmm. and it's like, Oh my God, you're going to call your grandparents. And they did the little fantasy scene yes. where the parents was like, Oh my God, they're still together, but now they're fucking someone else. Yes. And you know, they're also happy. That was like right out of Jeff. Oh yeah. I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I still have a Jeffrey reference whenever like I, Remember Patrick Stewart mm-hmm. and they're doing the, the game show fantasy sequence and they say, that's <laughs> my line. And they say like, who would you have sex with? And he says, Yoko Ono. And everyone's like, what? and they're like, and he's Patrick Stewart goes to see the apartment. <laughs> and that was always code w- with me and my friends, at least that I would use really where I would be like, look, yeah, I mean, I would totally sleep with him. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, to see the apartment. <laughs> the, the one that I always go to. And again, it was, it was completely non PC because Rudnick was very much that way. Rudnick was very, he's very similar to Billy Eichner. Oh, he's yes. Cis white Jewish, but he's still doing the same kind of stuff and taking the piss out of, you know, and the joke in that same sequence like makes me laugh every time. But it's because it's Jeffrey, it's Patrick Stewart, and it's the waiter from the restaurant yes. that they're just eating at. 
And it's like, the host says, our guests today are three gay men. And the waiter goes, excuse me, bisexual. Patrick Stewart <laughs> says, oh, me too. <laughs> and it because, you know, there was such a mm-hmm. stigma Absolutely. against bisexuals. And Jim Rash's character kind of hits on that in this because, and I saw it personally because my best friend is bisexual and none of my gay yeah. friends believe that he's bisexual. Mm-hmm. And it's like, because they don't believe it exists. They think, well, you're just just too afraid mm-hmm. to come out as gay and I'm like no I promise you it exists I remember <laughs> the joke on sex on the city when one of the ladies was dating a bisexual and Miranda's like isn't that one stop away from Ricky Martinville <laughs> <laughs> and it's always been the butt of jokes it's been the butt of jokes. yeah do you think um I felt like sometimes the movie was just check bros was just checking off things like the grinder hookup mm-hmm. the like the you mentioned like the threesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it also did give the I mean, circuit party. Gave I, I felt like it, it also, as much as it was catering to the straight on audience, it was also kind of showing what, and it was showing some. There was a lot of truth to it. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and and you know we saw a lot of the same kind of similar tropes in uh, the Neil Patrick Harris series, Uncoupled. Mm-hmm. Uncoupled. Um, again, very cis white. Yep. Even more upper upper middle class, if not upper class. Wow, that was one was obscene. And that one, there was, there was, the I, I, was I enjoyed it a, mm-hmm. a great yeah. deal, but it was also like, this is not my scene. I, yeah, I don't right. hang out with people who sell real estate, <laughs> right. you know, especially New York real estate. Right. So that was a whole level of queendom. I'm like, I'm not in that, I don't yeah. run in that crowd, yeah. but it was still very funny. And the bad dates, you know, that's, that's a romantic thing. That Absolutely. Every comedy Well, and it's also is. very hard for one movie or series to rep, I mean, to represent the vastness of our community. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's just unfortunate that the, the majority of the stories that do get more funding and more prominence in terms of marketing, just it, it, it's always the, 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 the cis white privileged story. Well, so... Sidebar on that, uh, Fire Island you mentioned earlier. We yes. we all watched. Fire we all watched Island it together. together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, completely different viewpoint mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. Uh, the standpoint of a gay male Asian men mm-hmm. and other men of color, but primarily Asian. Well, and, and that also was men that aren't weren't wealthy. Yeah, and, and yeah, means. we're us who were scraping by. That was my favorite part of Fire Island because I hate the fact that it's like you know everybody's supposed to just be able to, to be, a fantasy, buy whatever all, clothes they yeah, want right. and Where once travel you're gay, anywhere. You're making, yeah. You know. Yeah, because you've got all the money, know, no kids, and you know. But it just that was more fun to me because it's like yes, because those were my gay friends. We were just yeah. like scraping by, and I, I, I think trying to get to P Town in the summer. Yeah, yes. really. And I think that's probably why I like Fire. I liked Fire Island, not not to pit the two against each other, right. but I mean, if there's anything, but for modern takes on where queer culture is at or gay male culture is at, mm-hmm. you know. We're not going, you know, not to put them against each other, but we're definitely going to compare them. Right, right. And, but I, I think in terms of just being seen by a movie, that, that's sometimes when you go see something, you, you kind, that especially shines a light on your community. You kind of want to see something of yourself. You know, yeah. I feel like Fire Island is closer to what I see, you know, with me and my friends, my friends and I. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, the different, like the different quirks of, of, of everyone, and I mean, I've I feel like I've lived that Fire Island experience. The 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 relationships to me seemed more. There was more depth to them. 
Yeah. Right. In Fire Island than there were in Bros for me. Yeah. Um, but Bros was, you know, marketed as, marketed as this big rom-com. Right. And it wasn't, you know. Yeah. Also, in terms of, like, rom-coms um, and just the style of Bros, I am much more a Jennifer Lopez romantic comedy type of guy than I am an Amy Schumer Judd oh, Apatow rom-com kind of guy. And so I don't know why that didn't click in my head as I was like going to see it. I'm just like, oh, I guess I should, this is what I've, I should have expected more along the lines of, um, yeah, when you have a comedian, forgetting Sarah Marshall, yeah. train wreck, you know, as a 40 year old virgin, 40 year old as opposed to made in Manhattan. Yes, exactly. Or wedding planner. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, there were, there were aspects of that, that just, you know, there were so many things in the movie that were absurd like satire to the highest level. Yes. And it, it, those sometimes kind of ran head on with each other when mm-hmm. they were trying to be very real and honest. So it made it really kind of hard for you to get into the real and honest moments because the other stuff was so silly. You know, I, I think of the gay history museum, which was preposterous at the end. You were to the point I was just like, really? You know, and then, yeah. And but it was I'm like it's fine they're making fun of it you know and of course well and getting money from that funder that Joel or not Joel Kim uh, Bowen Yang Bowen Yang, Yang played plays, oh yeah. my god that he, Bowen Yang I fucking love him so much he's so funny and he was great in that mm-hmm. and then it's like I've I've asked for money from people like that before <laughs> never never gotten five million dollars I'm gonna tell you that right now yeah. but it's like but that the whole concept that he wanted to do of a ride a roller he, coaster of gay, gay trauma. <laughs> Bitch. I did like congratulations. You've arrived at the at the at the Obama, Barack Obama administration. administration. But, but what's, what's that around the corner? <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, can we talk about the monologue? Which the Billy's monologue on the beach. Oh, where, okay. Where he talks about when he was younger and that wow. that he was he kept being told no or like you're too swishy. Mm-hmm. Um, no, you can't be an actor. No, you can't be a writer. No, you can't do. No, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. And how he talks about constantly being put down and and having to change who he is. Mm-hmm. And then is like, but they were wrong. They were wrong. They were wrong. Mm-hmm. While I was watching. That, that is the moment in the movie theater where I was just like, I want to see the movie where this monologue mm-hmm. really kind of came from. And like, the know, en- that energy. That energy. Um, because I was just like, I like that, that I understand. Yeah. That I get. Yeah. Um, and that's probably very raw and real for him. I mean, that's. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he was probably told all of those things, and he does have a good singing voice. I'm sure that he was probably told, "It's like, yeah, but you'll never be—you'll be like chorus. You'll be—you're mm-hmm. too flouncy to be leading man." And you know, I've seen it. I've been told it before. So it's mm-hmm. like, and I have many, 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 many friends who have been told it repeatedly. Yep. And it's—I'm—I know that that stings, particularly for actors to be told, you know, butch it up, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Or there's no way you could butch it up enough. It's just not going to work, right? And I, that felt very real for me. The The other moment, the the one that really legit made me cry was uh, his speech at the end 
where they're kind of giving the toast and he's, he's on stage with the entire, uh, mm-hmm. the rest of the crew. And I don't know why it got me. It, it just really hit me, but he was, he was talking about, uh, yeah, yeah we've been around since the beginning of time, yeah. but it's taken us just till recently to be able to get comfortable telling our stories. And it's like, we're really getting to know each other for the first time. And I would just, that really hit me yeah. because I honestly feel that way. I mean, yes, we've yeah. always been the LGBTQ, you know, community, but what does that really mean? We don't talk to each other. We fight constantly when outside we have of to talk trauma to each bonding. other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Outside of like being a part of this group because we've all been lumped together. Yeah. And part, and instead of seeing each other. And I've talked, understanding each other's experiences. I've talked multiple times about, you know, the trans, the trans issues have come up so quickly and so rapidly. And, and so, you know, it's, it's inundating because the Republicans have basically picked them as yeah, public targeted. enemies, number one, mm-hmm. that we still, as a community, as a, you know, as the alphabet, we haven't gotten to know what it, the, what the trans experience even means. We mm-hmm. haven't had that, those conversations, I think, enough. And we've had a few... We've had a few storytellers who've done great jobs. You know, Ryan Murphy's pose yeah. taught me more about trans people than anything I've ever seen, and including some of the early stuff that like Paris is Burning, where it came from. But it was there were stories like that. I'm like, I want to see more of those because I, I just don't think we understand each other's experiences. And there hasn't been a really goodbye story either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking about an absence of anything. Mm-hmm. It's like a bi love story would be. Nice. There's people God, like but that four. would be so hot. I mean, for them to do it, they would just have to make sure they didn't do the the split between both. Right. Trope. Yeah. Right. You know. Yeah. Um. Where would you put bros in the pantheon of LGBTQ romantic comedy? It's tough to say. I mean, going back and looking at a lot of these early ones. There were a lot that were pretty forgettable, and I, I looked at like two or three of the you know the top ten gay right. romantic comedies, and also of their time, right? And these uh, these run the gamut. I mean, a lot of, there was a lot of uh, mainly nineties, nineties, early two thousands. Um, you know, I would put Jeffrey up there. Uh, Trick is one of my all time favorites. It was the very first film that Q Cinema showed, and, yeah. and, it, and it was a it was at the time, the first major studio, and it was New Line Cinema, which was not one of the majors, major but, it studio, but it was pretty close. Still. It was big enough. It was it was getting a mainstream. It was released in malls, you, so I mean, that you, was the difference. It wasn't an that, art house film. That oh, what is that that placard? The the shape of it. Yeah, it always the, meant Ninja Turtles to me. Yeah, right, because it was a video reel, like the, the yeah the, yeah yeah, but, and it, but it, it was shaped. Yeah, it had film film yeah. sprockets yeah. on the yeah. side. But, um, but yeah, but New Line was, you know, New Line was the house that Freddie built. It was, it mm-hmm. was the Nightmare on Elm Street theater, uh, the studio that basically Freddie put on the map. Right. So it was a horror franchise until they started getting into indie film. But Trick was, you know, a delightful little mm-hmm. film and still a really sweet movie that I'd love to go it's back and see. It's going to be one of the ones we're going to review. We should, we should. We should go back Actually, and that should have been, actually, that was supposed to be. And then Bros came And then Bros came out. Um, um, but you know, Broken Hearts Club is another one. Broken Hearts Club is kind of like that holds a the Fire Island. Uh, it was for the Fire white Island guys. of its time. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
and it was a really, a really solid uh, ensemble comedy, which oh. with a great cast. Now, I mean, we've we've talked about Broken Hearts Club before on the podcast, yeah. but I mean, those problematic Dean Kane, but Timothy Olyphant was the the lead. Mm-hmm. Andrew Keegan, Zach Braff, Matt McGrath, right, such a Justin Thoreau, Keegan. Billy Porter. Billy Porter, yeah. A very young-looking Billy Porter. Mm-hmm. And it has one of, that was one of my favorite things that we picked up from my friends is the whole notion of when you'd see an attractive guy walk by. Meanwhile. Meanwhile. We started, we did that forever. Jim Elder and I would just constantly use that line. Uh, I, I use the uh, Billy Porter's in hell. <laughs> when he's like having the breakdown and they're like trying to find him music and there was like no there's no Barbara no bet and they're like oh there's Celine and Billy Porter's like in hell <laughs> I'm like Celine where um do you know the movie Shelter yeah is that on your list um yeah I have it on here it's we showed it I've never seen Shelter years ago Shelter is the uh, the gay surfer yeah movie mm-hmm. uh, which I loved yeah. I loved. I just I remember in Shelter where you put Latter Days on there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Latter Days uh, for the ladies kissing Jessica Stein. Yeah. Uh, the most uh, what's incredibly true adventures of two girls in love. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what about um, Billy Hollywood's Screen Kiss? Billy's Hollywood Screen Kiss. That was my, for me that because that that Brad Rowe is also in Shelter. Yes. Um, and that has one of my, they kind of, uh, they kind of did a similar scene in Heartstoppers, the series, but for those who don't know it, Sean P. Hayes, uh, better known as Just Check yep. from Will and Grace. Before, before Will and Grace. Before Will and Grace. And, uh, but there's a scene where he's sleeping in the same bed with Brad Rowe mm-hmm. and he's trying to do this thing where he's got, trying to just pretending to be asleep, but he's wanting to let his, his hand just kind of like. Yeah, pretend like fall and touch him so that he's touching him somewhere. It is just he does this torturous thing for so long. It's so good because I've absolutely done I've absolutely done that exact thing. And there's a moment Heartstoppers where the the gay kid in it and the bisexual kid I think or pansexual kid Mm -hmm. that he's got a crush on. Gay kid's asleep and he's he is like wanting to touch his hand. And they do the little animated sparks, you know, because it yeah. has these little animated touches throughout it because it's based on a graphic novel. But it's stuff like that just gets me. I'm, I'm a sucker for coming out movies. So Q Cinema showed every one of them. Mm-hmm. Beautiful Thing. I mean, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, Edge of Seventeen. All of just the wonderful, sweet, you know, yeah. young love stuff. I think I've moved. I think personally I've moved, moved past the coming out story. But I really like the, the kind of. I think this is why I liked Fire Island so much. I like the 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 gay family type. Mm-hmm. That's type of absolutely movie. where I'm at. And I, think, I I I agree. I'm I, with the with the coming out stories. Like I want to see the depth, mm-hmm. and I want to see uh, our stories without their attachment to having to come out to the straight community. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, the straight community is going to influence all of it, but the stories of how we're interacting together. And yeah. building family and right. building community. Well, and they reference, there's a great scene when they reference, when they're talking about the whole museum staff is arguing about something and they want, oh, they want to try to figure out what to do in the final room. Oh, in bros. Somebody suggests, yes. in bros, and they suggest, what if we did like a gay wedding? And everybody's like, oh, I like that idea. And he's like, and Billy's like, yeah, that's so sweet. No. <laughs> like, 
everything is not Shit's Creek, and they're like, oh, Shit's Creek, Shit's Creek so is good. really good. It has really a lot of levels. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's like, I know Shit's Creek is good. I was, but Shit's Creek was that kind of that first one, and I, I I had a great moment with my mom when my dad was was passing, and we would go home from the nursing home every night, and we would watch like five or six episodes of Shit Creek, mm-hmm. and it just got us through yes. it. And yeah. I watched it again with her, and she'd never seen it, but. The thing I, that always struck me about that show that was so special was that they existed in a world without homophobia where nobody ever talked about mm-hmm. or scoffed at or looked down on David mm-hmm. or anybody right. in town right. because of their sexuality. And that was just so enchanting and yeah, delightful. Absolutely. I was just like, absolutely. I'm so ni- it's so nice to not have somebody call somebody a faggot, you know, or, yeah. or just, you know, somebody get beaten up or whatever. Or have the storyline be around shame. Exactly. Right. You know. And David right. was, you know, beautifully explains pansexuality, which yes. for anybody who didn't know what pansexuality was like, what's that scene? That's like yeah. nicely done. Sometimes yep. I want a red <laughs> and sometimes I want a rosé. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, and even the, the way that him and Stevie... Yeah, interacted as a kind of like, oh, are we are we doing this? Yeah, maybe we, maybe we're maybe we're not. Maybe we are, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Um. Yes. Do you? Oh think... my God, we're the cliche. We started talking about Shit's Creek. <laughs> <laughs> we we literally talked about that meeting about and then mm-hmm. became the meeting. <laughs> yeah. um, do you think that the poor box office reception of Bros? will hinder any kind of fu- uh, future movies, uh, romantic comedy or not. You know, every, every studio is trying to figure out how to survive in a world full of superhero movies. If you're not a Marvel movie, if you're not a DC movie, you're not getting great box office. So nobody is doing gangbusters. And I'm look, there's a lot of great-looking movies coming up. I was just watching the... Um, the new Spielberg uh, film for Meet the Fablemans. And, and it just looks like a wonderful movie, but it's, it's small and it's personal and it's family. And I'm just like, I can't see that making. Right. Even on Spielberg's name. And, yeah. and Tony Kushner wrote it. I'm just like, but you know, West Side Story didn't do great either, even though that was brilliant in a lot right. of ways. It just... There's a lot of really, really good stuff. It's just hard. I mean, it's hard to get people to theaters now. And everybody's competing against streaming. There's mm-hmm. so much content. I, I mean, I have my other list on here. This is the things to watch list, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, am, I watch stuff every single night. I'm binging things all the time. Yeah. yeah. So it's just, it's impossible to keep up. And I'm just trying to, you know, keep my head above water so that I can have a conversation with people. <laughs> in bars, right. which seems to be the only thing we talk about in bars anymore. But right. Right. do you think Bros should have gone to streaming instead of going to the theater? No, I'm glad it went to the theater. Um, I I I kind of was disappointed in Billy for ragging on you know people not coming out to support it because it's just like I don't know what you think is going to happen. I mean, and I like I said, most of the gays I knew did go see it in the theater. I mean, they made a point to go see it in the theater. I was I was turned off by that reception by his tweet storm after you know after that weekend because also um you know you're not entitled to gay dollars as well you're not really you're not really entitled to anyone's money you know you you made the movie you're you know 
I know you put your heart into it, but to, to kind of then go on the attack on potential audience, you know, well, and he makes the point in the movie, we're not a monolith. No. Uh-huh. We're not all going to go support it just because well, it's Well, it's gay. not going to appeal to all of us. Yeah. No. And, and, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that's like, no, 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 no. I don't really like romantic Queerness comedies. is not a monolith. Yes. No. <laughs> yes. I don't, I don't really like romantic comedies. I like horror movies. And you also, know? And it, I, didn't, it didn't have two A-list movies. It didn't have no, Julia it, Roberts and George Clooney. No. Yeah. Yeah, but who's going to see that movie? I mean, well, a lot they, more people they've do. literally been cramming that movie down my yeah. throat. I cannot escape it. I, can't, I, couldn't, I still couldn't tell you Just the name watch of it. watch it. What yeah. is it called? Ticket to Paradise. There you go. What the hell is it about? Uh, their uh, divorcees coming together for their, their daughter's wedding, and then they decide that they have to break up their daughter. So has I, I want to see what the box office is on that. I yeah. was uh, $17.5 million their first weekend. Really? Yeah. So that's just star and, power alone. But yes, also, yes, absolutely. And also... Because I don't know a single person that's talking about and it. And <laughs> I believe that it had made already internationally, because it was released internationally. Ah, before, there you go. 150 million. That's crazy. Um, so I, I want to, because he is my love, uh, I do want to bring up Luke McFarlane real quick, okay. because Luke, McFar- Luke McFarlane and I go back to Brothers and Sisters, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. he was Scotty, Brothers and Sisters. And then uh, he came out... During that show? During that show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and didn't, you know, he, I guess it didn't really happen for him much afterwards. He was in the revival of The Normal Heart on Broadway. Right. And then he moved up to the role of Felix, which is the second male lead of The Normal Heart, in the national tour. Uh, was he in the HBO version? He was not in the HBO version. Okay. Uh, but I saw him do Felix mm-hmm. at the Kennedy Center in Washington. And then I have a picture with him. Mm-hmm. Um but then, uh, then he had his romantic Hallmark, romantic comedy Christmas Hallmark career. Like he's done like 14, 15 of them. Yeah. Movies. So, which I thought it was really funny that they were. Oh, yeah. Making fun of that. Skewering Bros, that. Skewering that. Um, but also he like, he's Juilliard trained. He's the same um, class as Jessica Chastain. Mm-hmm. And she was just, she was promoting bros too. Yeah. She's like. Go see it with my love, Luke McFarlane. And, um, Speaking of uh, Hallmark-type movies, what did you guys think of Single All the Way? See it? I love Single. Yeah, Michael we watched Mary. it. I and it was, it. again... It was endearing. It was totally cheeseball. Yeah. Yes. It was absolutely yeah. by the numbers. And I loved it. Well, I, when you go in... I, but I don't think it had the harshness that... Rose and had. also Luke Rose. McFarlane's in that as well. Yeah. Oh, is, yeah. is he in it? He's the trainer. Oh, that's right. He is. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, yeah, this one had Michael a little Yuri's bit more truth to it. Was this one had a little bit more truth that made us uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Than yeah. the single. Well, and a little self-criticism, which I, which I'm completely Oh, for. you can, like, I'm, I'm cool taking the piss out of, you know, mm-hmm. out, out of things. And I thought some of those scenes in the, in the museum were. We're, we're a little bit of taking the piss out of things. And oh, yeah, I, was, I was fine. Yeah, I like the, well, it's like, once I realized what they were, all right, all right, they're just being absurd. But yeah, like, yeah. where you have the animatronic Leonardo da Vinci talking about all of his achievements because, but more importantly than anything, well, I, and then the I'm also, about, I could have been bi. Right? <laughs> You're just yeah. like, what? And then like the, uh, the lesbian history month and then the, all the oh. different months and yeah. y'all didn't say shit. Gay, yeah. bisexual. <laughs> of course you guys get a month. We get a week. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, okay, so would you, would y'all recommend the movie to, to people? 
If you haven't watched it, would you make, if they haven't watched it? I'd recommend I, Fire Island first. I would absolutely recommend it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I've told several friends, you know, yeah. and I've had many friends, you know, can't believe you haven't seen it yet. Yeah. But yeah, it's, I, I mean, again, it's, it's a certain demographic. It's a, it's a certain demographic. Yeah. I mean, there's like, it's like, you know, and a lot, honestly, Billy Eichner is going to be your, your gauge. It's like, you don't like Billy Eichner. It's like, I wouldn't see it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I've actually, I've met a lot of Billy Eichner. Billy Eichner has hosted an event for me before mm-hmm. uh, a gala. And, um, you know, so I've seen, I've seen Billy Eichner, the persona. And then I've seen Billy Eichner, the human being, the human being. Mm-hmm. and, uh, and it is that kind of switch. Where he's very sweet and yeah, I mean, it was very nice. Oh yeah, I mean, but it like it was 2013, so it was he was still just Billy on the street. So it was before right. difficult people on Hulu, before you know, before American Story and stuff like that. Um, but also, I would like to point out how how lucky we are, I guess, because in just 2022 alone, we will have had Fire Island, mm-hmm. Burroughs, and we're having uh, the movie Spoiler Alert. Yep. Which is based What's on spoiler alert? spoiler alert is based on the memoir of a television uh, a critic um, reporter uh, Michael Ocelio. Um and he wrote his uh, husband uh, I guess had cancer and developed cancer. But oh, this is the one with, with starring Jim Parsons, Jim Parsons. and Ben Aldridge yes, 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 and yes, also yes. Sally Field. I can't wait to cry to that. But <laughs> exactly. but also like I cannot you know, wait. When does that come out? Uh, next month in December. Oh, we're going to cry. Second. But just cry so much. <laughs> just in 2022 alone, tell. we've had the, we will have had three, um, granted, you know, gay male focused, but mm. still, you know, these three queer movies of prominence come up, you know. And there's been, you know, and streaming has some really spectacular stuff out there. I mean, I, I adored Love, Simon, the series, and, uh, the Heartstopper series was fantastic. The Neil Patrick Harris series, uh, Uncoupled, and we had, um, the, we had the the updated Queers Folk. The updated Queers Folk, which was hard to take, but I think really well done. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Tales uh, of the City. The new, Tales the new the updated Tales of the City. Ryan Murphy still cranking things out. Dahmer mm-hmm. was, you know, for better or worse. Ooh, I mean, a lot, not everybody's cup of tea. Not, I thought it. I think it's fantastic. I, I'm just I think not your murdery bitch. Huh? I'm not the I'm not the one I don't you're like the murdery true crime shit. You're probably not, you're probably not watching the new season of American Horror Story, which feels no, like a sequel I, to Dahmer. <laughs> yeah. I like horror. I like scary. I like horror. I don't like it to be too based in reality. The the uh, the um uh I it I already know how how terrible violence there is in the world. Mm-hmm. I don't need yeah. To remind myself of it. If it's a spooky spirit, mm-hmm, I'm yeah. here for that. But I don't need to see the murdery. It's just not for me. Although I know it has a massive following. That's how we got Dahmer. <laughs> well, yeah. And queer horror is people is are consuming the finally fuck out of it. starting to get a, a place mm-hmm. too. That's something I wanted when we were doing cute cinema. Oh, the queer horror community is just thriving. Right oh now. yeah, yeah. And I, and I have so many friends who are just absolute horror freaks yeah. about everything and um well and, and ryan all of ryan's stuff has queer elements to it but like the thing that honestly the thing i talked about Dahmer, uh Dahmer was very personal for me because i i came out in the early 90s when he was arrested mm. and i was starting to work at the fort Worth star telegram so i was reading stories about 
a guy who was hunting and killing and eating men in the places I just started going to. Mm-hmm. So I was like, cool, 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 cool. Um, and but, like when I moved here right after the Rainbow Laundry. Exactly. Cool. So this is this is what we're doing now. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the, the the thing about that show that, and again, it, a lot of people, I, I know it's not for all people, and particularly people who are my age or older, were like, I can't, I just can't. And uh, the thing that I try to get people to do is like, if you could just watch the sixth episode, because it's it truly, I, I was literally sobbing at the yeah. end of it, and unlike a lot of true crime and especially serial killer notorious serial killer stuff that tends to glamorize or make anti-heroes of, of mm-hmm. the villains. Uh, that episode, just one of the most gut-wrenching, one of the just most heartbreaking of the murders that he committed. And it, the whole story literally begins with the birth of mm-hmm. the person, person who's killed. And this would be the, the deaf, the, the deaf, deaf man. yeah. The mm-hmm. Tony, uh, the deaf model. And, um, the way that the way the episode ends, you just I mean, the series earns its title. You just you're just left feeling so angry and sad and you're just mm-hmm. like, God, this guy was a fucking monster. And that's the way you should feel right, <laughs> when yeah, you watch right. this stuff. You shouldn't be, you know, like, I want to dress like him for Halloween. And it's yeah. like but you can do did. that if you want to, but I but really wouldn't. Did. A lot of people did, of course they did. But it's so weird. I, I, I just wanted to see the Nisi Nat. She was great. I heard and she was everybody fabulous. in it. I Molly Ringwald, unrecognizable, and like, fantastic. And of course, uh, uh, the dad um, from Six Feet Under, uh, Richard Jenkins. Mm. Fantastic. And I saw Evan, this meme that was like, Y'all Evan stop was, letting this man have kids. Yeah. Yes, that's, yes. <laughs> and Evan Peterson is revelatory. He's just an incredible actor. And he just did a spectacular job. But yeah. not for all tastes. Not, not for all tastes. Not for all tastes. Yeah. Uh, closing thoughts on, on bro, on the state of the gay romantic comedy on. I'm excited that we're getting so many. Yeah. I'm I'm ready for our next gay sci-fi movie. Well, and that's, that's always been the, you know, the big conversation we used to have in those days. It's like, when can we start getting into, where's a gay action film? Where's a gay superhero movie? Where's Mm -hmm. the, you know, when are we going to start finally getting into some of the other genres? We kind of cracked horror. We've definitely cracked romantic comedy. Yeah. But those others, yeah. you know. Well, we've done, and we we have drama. We have oh, drama. Of course, Moonlight. Yeah. I mean, Moonlight oh, yeah. won an Oscar. It won Oscars, yeah. <laughs> Moonlight. Um, Uncle Brokeback uh, Mountain. I mean, Brokeback yeah, Uncle Frank. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, Luke McFarlane wants to be an action star. Like, literally, has said in interview. He would be fantastic. I mean, yeah. this, uh, Luke McFarlane can be, be shirtless on the big screen anytime. Mm-hmm. Yes, he would, and he's. Canadian, and there is actually a gay Canadian Canadian Marvel, Marvel X Men North Star North Star. Oh yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. Um, cool. Well, um, I would like to bring up a queer cultural touchstone. Mm-hmm. Also, cinema, a, a cinem, it's cinematic, um, but also someone who has uh, departed us. But uh, the great Angela Lansbury. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Also passed away during our break. Yeah. And um who has had a varied career. Oh yeah. Movies, TV, oh yeah, theater. Mhm. Um but really got her start in the movie Gaslight. Mhm. And uh nominated, right? She was nominated in her first. I think so, yeah. Yeah. 
uh, and then hit another career milestone at like 40 with MAME on mm-hmm. Broadway. And then probably like what in her late 50s, Murder, She Wrote on TV. Yeah. yeah. MAME, I think should be mandatory viewing for every young queer person. I've never <laughs> seen it. You've got Get thee to a streaming service. Yes. <laughs> I'll watch it with you. Okay. Yeah. I'll watch it with watch, you. Watch the Rosalind Russell, the original film. Auntie Mame. Auntie Annie Mame. And then, yeah. then if you brave what you can do, the musical with Lucy. But it's worth it for uh, B. Arthur. Arthur. But, you know, Lucy yeah. was just not right for that she role. Wasn't, she wasn't Angela Lansbury. No, she wasn't. But if you've ever, yeah, go pull up, uh, you know, go to YouTube. Pull up Angela Lansbury and don't worry, Roger will send it to me buddies. before we go to bed tonight. Yeah, yes. I'm sure you will. Yeah. <laughs> Watch that. Because uh, Bosom Buddies is like a fantastic song, and yeah. it's like every gay man should know it. And, it was it was and a have hit. Sung it with his friend on stage at some point. It was a hit every Monday, Musical Mondays at Splash Bar. Absolutely. Um, also, I mean, Beauty and the Beast. Uh, Mrs. Potts. She was mm-hmm. Mrs. Potts. I pro- I co-produced a benefit honoring her. Um, in New York when I was at the Drama League. Um, and it was, I mean, the people that came out for her to perform um, was, was great. I mean, she was starring in A Little Night Music at that time with Catherine Zeta-Jones. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I definitely went back. Like, that one hit. That one hit hard when, yeah. when, when I heard. Because um, I met her backstage at A Little Night Music, and um, I have my picture with her. And, uh, but just like, I, I went through all the, I went through MAME, I went through Anyone Can Whistle, Sweeney Todd, just, you know, yeah. yeah. I mean, like literally a legend. Yeah. Yeah. Her and George. That's a another, full life. Send him that one too. Send him a little priest. A little priest. Yeah. Oh. With her and George. Oh. Oh. Um, yeah. Um, does anyone else want to add a quick one? or just, um, since we're talking movies. This is going to be a, a, a different direction. Um, I would say Edward Scissorhands. Um, because it's a between a Christmas and a... It's, I think it's a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. We are... Tis the season. Yeah. Absolutely. We're going into the holiday season after Halloween. Um, but yeah, for me, it was absolutely queer. Touchstone for me as a child. I don't know if it was the... Uh, isolation of the, uh, of the young man... For uh-huh. being built the way he was. Yeah. Um, Did we talk about this on our Queer Crushes episode? We talked about Queer Crushes. Yes. I you... talked about Edward Sis- Did I talk about Edward I talked to- No, I talked about Johnny Depp. Johnny in, Depp. But- uh, Crybaby. Ah, okay. Right. That's where I fell in love with Johnny Depp. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was when he was in his underwear. Kiss me, darling. Sewer. Kiss me hard. Um, is Diane Weist in Edward Sis- She Sis- is. Dad? She's selling Mary Kay. She's fantastic. And uh, my mom. You my are girl, on my, a Diane Weist role with a, your queer cultural Diane. touchstones. I know. My one uh, last week was Fractured. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, when I was a kid, I used to watch it. And uh, if I didn't call it Edward Scissorhands, I would tell my mom I wanted to watch the show with the Easter egg houses. <laughs> we, I, I reviewed it. Mike Price and I went and saw it at the theater. Yeah. Just the two of us. We saw it in the theater over at Hewlett Mall. And um, I was a huge Tim Burton fan at that point because I'd seen Pee Wee and I'd seen mm-hmm. Beetlejuice. Was, yeah. And, you know, I think that was, Edward was pre-Batman. Maybe? Yes. Yeah. I think so. Right before Batman. So 
Um, we went and saw it, and I remember af- afterwards, both of us were like just in awe, and we both agreed. It's like that is a perfect film. Perfect. It is film. A, we both gave it a ten out of ten. Like no notes. It's a that movie is everything it wanted to be and more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of thing I really wish Tim Burton would get back to doing. Oh, I really want him yeah. to tell original stories and stop adapting. Yeah. You know, nerd culture. I mean, I'm looking forward to Wednesday. It looks delightful, and I'm mm-hmm. and I'm there for everybody being all been out of shape because they've made their family Latino, even though yeah. his name was Gomez. Truly, <laughs> like, yeah, truly. And they, it looks fantastic. And Fred Armisen as Uncle Fester looks right. delightful. Oh, I haven't seen his look yet. Oh, the new trailers. Oh, yes, I love. Really I fun. yeah. No, I I Edward Scissorhands is one of my favorite. I I play the soundtrack. I have the soundtrack on vinyl. I play every. I saw the ballet at. Uh, oh yeah, I remember they did that. I didn't know that. Uh, Matthew Bourne, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Yeah, we went and cool. saw Doug and I went and saw at Lincoln Center. They did the music of the music of Danny Elfman and Tim Burton. So mm-hmm. they did all of Danny Elfman's score mm-hmm. for Tim Burton's films, and uh, it was magical. And Danny sang with Catherine O'Hara and Paul Rubens. Shut and, uh, up. Kidnap Mr. Sandy Claus. Yeah, Ken Page doing wow. Oogie Boogie. I like to think that I do a really good Oogie Boogie, but no one has heard outside of my bedroom. Oh, I, I do <laughs> okay. a very good Oogie Boogie too, and I'm, I'm afraid of being canceled because I don't, it's like, it's borderline, like, I don't know, can I do that? I think I can do that. But I, tr- I, I try to emulate Ken Page while I'm doing it. In the same way that I try to emulate Pat Carroll when I do poor unfortunate souls. Like, if you're going to do it, do it. Yeah. Ken Page, again, talking about queer culture. Oh, the the original. uh, Will Ken Page be your uh, queer cultural touchstone? uh, Sure. I mean, yeah, Oogie Boogie uh, uh, as Mr. Oogie Boogie. But no, he, I, Ken goes back with me with uh, the original Torch Song trilogy, mm-hmm. Harvey Farstein's mm-hmm. film adaptation of his play. Mm-hmm. And Ken has one of my all-time favorite lines from a gay man. It's, it's, uh, it's the Brian Kerwin character. And he's gone backstage after seeing Harvey perform, and he's just smitten with him, and he won't take it. And, and Ken is standing there, and he's just, like, not even looking at him. He's like, hello, I'm another person in the world. Yes. <laughs> yes. I just love that line. Uh, Ken Page. Well, I didn't want to throw Ken Page on you as your quick culture. No, but that was. Now, of course, it was great to see uh, Harvey in uh, yeah, in a little tiny. Oh, role. that's right. oh my god, I loved it. Especially, I, I wonder if that was his house. No, oh, I don't know. Does Does he have a house in Pete? He does. Oh, really? Oh, he does. Yes, he okay. does. Um, there were there were so many little little cameos like Harvey, um, Everett Quinton. Yeah, Ever Quinton, who was the uh, like, where do you want? Who do you want to give your money to? Share. She's got a large staff. <laughs> a large you know? staff. Wait, who was that guy? I don't know. He, who was, he was the guy that was donated. He, he was trying to. No, what I, to do with I know, but who is he in real life? Everett Quinton is uh, an actor, obviously, but um, I remember him because uh, a ridiculous theater company. Is that correct? That sounds right. Um, I know that he uh, in the early two thousands. I think it may have been two thousand and one or two thousand. Um, during the Eartha Kit Jamie Lynn Sigler national tour of Rogers and Hammerstein Cinderella, Everett Quinton, because also uh, did cross dressing, um, played the evil stepmother. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, so that's where I know Everett Quinton Fantastic. from. But um, yeah. So since Christmas is coming up, do you have do you have an a typical Christmas movie that you watch? Edward's. 
Yours is Edward Scissorhands too. Um, one that's like not Christmas, you know, like a diehard or whatever, you know. My my go-to nowadays is uh, The Family Stone. Family Stone. Oh, a good one. Oh, God, The Family Stone. I watched that in The Holiday. I'm a holiday sucker. Mm-hmm. I used to be, I it used to be like Love Actually, The Holiday, Family Stone. Um, and now it just fucks me up every fucking time. Yeah. And now I'm just kind of like, uh, I'm just good just watching the family stone. Have you guys ever seen the ref? No. Is that the one with Vince Vaughn? No. Okay. Uh, uh, Dennis. It's unfortunately Kevin Spacey. Oh, but, no. uh, Kevin Spacey, Judy Davis, Dennis Leary. Mm-hmm. Um, Dennis Leary is a cat burglar who has been breaking into houses on Christmas and he, the police kind of surround this neighborhood. So he, takes a family hostage and it's oh, yeah. Kevin, Kevin, uh, Kevin Spacey, Judy Davis, uh, uh, Kristen Brands, Christine Bransky is, Christine is the, Bransky. is the, uh, in-law and, uh, and, uh, oh my God, I can't remember the name of the woman. She was in Crybaby that played the grandmother in Crybaby. Great old actress, Glenda, Glenda something, but, um, Glenda Jackson. Yes. And it's just, it's written by Richard Lagarbanese, who was a fantastic Screenwriter wrote the Fisher King and many other shows. Um, but yeah, it's, it is the perfect antidote. Ah, cause they essentially it's the ransom of red chief. He takes his family hostage and they cannot stop fighting <laughs> to acknowledge the fact that they're being held hostage by yeah. guy with a gun. Yeah. And, uh, my favorite line is, you know, Glenda Jackson is this, this harridan of a mother of Kevin Spacey's. And he says to her, finally, it's just like, Mom, I know what I'm going to get you for Christmas next year. I'm going to get you a giant wooden cross. That way, every time you feel unappreciated, you can climb up and nail yourself to it. Yes. Oh, oh my God. But it's just, it is dialogue. If you can. <laughs> Have y'all ever seen Home for the Holidays? Yes. Yes. With Robert Downey Jr.? <sighs> yes. That's one of my favorites. That's another it's Thanksgiving film, which I. Um, we should throw it out to our listeners. Um, what would you like us to watch to talk about a yeah. queer angle, queer we're, film? We're going to share it to our Instagram and we yeah. want your input on what is the next queer film you would like to. Yeah. Any era, any era. We can go deep. We could do modern. Yeah. Whatever you'd like to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, also uh, Amanda, Amanda Bierce who played Luke McFarlane's mother was Marcy and married with children. Yes. Oh my God! That's why she looked familiar. And the nice little bit at the end where she, she, she realized so where the, the uh-huh. hologram tells her that she's bisexual, and she's yeah. like, because hmm, she came out as bisexual yeah. Yeah. while she was on the series. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Oh my God, I love you. Yeah, um, um, Todd, what? Where can the people find you? We are still doing our monthly events, uh, our monthly gay history happy hour at Liberty Lounge. The next one will be November the thirtieth. I'm not yeah. sure what the topic's going to be. We had a great one last month with a, a professor from UNT talking about some of the big legal cases that led up to gay marriage, all of which happened right here in the state of Texas. Um, so they've, they've been going really well. I've done a lot of number of events. I'm doing one this weekend, uh, the uh, DFW Archive Bazaar with a Ooh, bunch of different cool. organizations, uh, all of the different organizations that have their own archives and historical mm-hmm. uh, collections or gatherings. So. I got invited doing that last minute. So we'll see what I can pull out of my butt by Sunday. Um, I believe in you. But yeah, you follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Yesterqueer on Instagram and Fort Worth Gay History on Facebook. Awesome. And you can follow Queer Contacts 
on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Instagram. Uh, at Queer Context, Q-U-E-E-R-C-O-N-T-X-T. Thank you, Todd. Thanks, Todd. Thank you. Always fun with your when you're here. My pleasure. I enjoyed it, as I always do. Okay. Hey. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.